What are your feelings about St. Paul? What comes to mind when we think of St. Paul? He is the author that is typically read for the second reading. Not always, there are exceptions, but almost always we have a reading from a letter either uh, known to be written by St. Paul or attributed to St. Paul or someone who was basically writing in the style of St. Paul, so in the voice of St. Paul. And we, we hear him often in the middle, right there in the middle of the reading of the Word of God. We start with a reading from the Old Testament, a psalm, reading from Paul, and then on to the Gospel. And we can kind of skip right over him. We can um, kind of forget that he's there. And um, for many, that's quite all right. Because I haven't met many people who would say, oh, I just love St. Paul. I just love him. He's great. He has so many great things to say. He, he lifts me up. He makes me feel good, you know? St. Paul makes me feel good. No, no one's ever, I don't think anyone's ever said St. Paul makes me feel good. But that's the, his way. Many, for good reason, uh, say, well, I just don't like him. He doesn't like women. He doesn't like marriage. He lists all those sins that are, you know, make me uncomfortable. He does this. Paul does that. He just doesn't seem like a nice guy. I don't like Paul. I've heard it many times, uh, one way or another, kind of just dismissing Paul. And uh, I think that might be a little dangerous and missing something, missing something that we need in today's world. Paul had a way of speaking to the people whom he was called uh, to preach to. And we should be thankful if you uh, really kind of voice it, but we really should be thankful for Paul. If it weren't for St. Paul and his mission to the Gentiles, the church would be uh, much different than it is. We may be speaking Aramaic or Hebrew and uh, focusing more on the Jewishness of, of our faith, but St. Paul made sure that the nations received the gospel of God as well, the good news of Jesus Christ, and he uh, spread in a remarkable way, uh, in many ways, not solely on St. Paul, but based on a lot of his work, spread the good news of Jesus Christ quickly and effectively throughout much of the known world at the time. We owe much to St. Paul, but when he comes up, we have mixed feelings at best. But he must have been captivating in one way or another. He must have held the attention of the people to whom he was sent. And I warn us against thinking, well, they were just simple people. They didn't know any better. Paul had it easy when he was talking to them. They were ready to, to be uh, led uh, in his style because uh, they, were, they were just, you know, we're better than they are. Well, anytime anybody goes on that direction, I'd remind them to look at the news in the morning. We're in really, we haven't come that far. Uh, we are the same people. 
Paul is speaking to us, undoubtedly Paul would speak to us differently. I have no doubt about that. But Paul is still speaking to us just as he would the people to whom he was sent to preach to. And Paul was memorable. It seems to me people knew that Paul loved them. There's no doubt in their mind that Paul loved the people he was sent to. He was stern with them often. He had corrective things he wished to speak to them about. They kept his letters in an age when things could easily just, you know, we don't really like that. We'll just get rid of it. It's not like there was an email trace that could have been looked up years later. They literally saved the parchment on which these letters were written on. They kept them. They meant something to them. And yet he had strong words to share with everyone to whom he wrote. And it must be that he started with love. In today's reading from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he begins with, I don't want you to be anxious, but I recognize that you are anxious. And so let's talk about that. Let's recognize the way in which you are anxious. He has things to say about marriage, and we could assume that he's saying that celibacy, the priesthood, the religious life is better than marriage. But is he really? Is he really? Or is he just pointing out that both have different levels of anxiety for them? Is he really saying what we think he's saying? Oftentimes it deserves a second look, I think. But Paul speaks with authority, he speaks with love, and he speaks effectively. Paul speaks to the people to whom he is sent to preach in a way in which calls them to conversion. We, for in many ways, in our modern ears, don't like that. We have trouble with people who both love us and call us to something more. Many would rather have somebody just praise us. Oh, you're perfect. You don't have to change. Don't worry about it. You're fine. You're good. Or we assume that they're the enemy. They have nothing good to say. Why even listen to them? They're trash. Don't worry about them. We have trouble in the middle. We don't like it there. There's tension there. There's difficulty. There's the reality that we have to listen. And we'd rather, myself included, do something else. Do something else that's fun or enjoyable. Listening takes work, but Paul's message needs listening too. So Paul speaks in a way that is loving with authority, but with conviction that calls us to conversion. And I think that's exactly the way in which we must, as a church, as a people of God, speak to the world. It's the very way the world does not want to be talked to, but it's the way we as church must speak to the world, with love, with authority, and effectively. Christ did this. If we look at, well, of course Christ did it. He's God-made man. But we can too. We can try. Christ in the gospel, he is, uh, he bewilders the people 
and this unclean spirit in many ways. He spoke with authority, it said, several times in our gospel. This astounded them. This was something new. Uh, he wasn't just proposing something. This is it, he would say. This is it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He spoke with love and with authority, and he spoke effectively. This unclean spirit, it cries out both, I know who you are, and have you come here to destroy me? Is that really it? Has Christ come to destroy this unclean spirit? Did Christ take on human flesh, come to die for our sins, just to destroy this single unclean spirit? In many ways, I think this unclean spirit is listening with the ears of the world. Either you've come to tell me I'm fine and I don't need to do anything, or you're the enemy. And for the unclean spirit, Jesus is the enemy. You have come here to destroy me. I just know it. But he doesn't. It's, in fact, the love of God that maintains the existence of that unclean spirit in a deep theological way. That spirit could not continue to even exist if it weren't for God's perfect love. He has not come to destroy. He has not come to subjugate. He has not come to make us into something less than we are. He has come to raise us up. Christ has come to love, to speak with authority, because he is the truth. He is the life. And those who followed after him speak in the same way, as did Paul. I think we need to go back and take another look at Paul. I think it's the voice of Paul that this world needs, and we, with the courage that Christ gives us, are able to speak in that way, to say, you are loved. You are, but loved so perfectly that we have to move. It's like a, a giant magnet. It can't come in contact with something uh, that it's desiring without pulling it towards itself. We can't stay where we are. We must be converted. We must listen to the words of not only St. Paul, but especially the words of Jesus Christ to turn our lives more towards him, to listen to those who speak with authority. Let us, even though the words of St. Paul sometimes ring in our ears in an uncomfortable way, let us listen to what he has to say and ask ourselves, what is it that St. Paul is calling us to? We know that St. Paul was certainly the patron of the old evangelization, but if we listen to the call of the universal church for a new evangelization, perhaps we shouldn't overlook Paul in the process.